right, Ephesians chapter 1. The opening section was the blessed fest. It was how God has blessed us, and we bless him and bless others. He closes chapter 1 now with a prayer. So our, our section in this part of Ephesians, we're simply going to call fullness, verses 15 through 23, and you'll see in a moment. But it's a prayer, and it's got two parts to it. It has an opening part, a prayer of continued gratitude, and then a prayer of growing fullness. We're going to specifically look at the beginning now at how he starts this prayer of gratitude. For this reason, verse 16, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayer. So he is praying for them. And part of his prayer for them is gratitude. And he's especially thankful for two realities that he has heard about. First of all, he says, I'm grateful for your faith. And he describes it as an audible faith. Now, I want you to make sure you understand when he says he's thankful for their faith, it's not that they have told him about their faith. It's that he has heard other people talk about their faith. So it's a faith that he has heard about. That's significant. They have an audible faith. Not meaning that they are telling him, but other people see it and are talking about it. That's a powerful question. Does anybody see your faith and experience your faith in a manner that causes them to talk about it? We usually think about talking about our faith, but he's talking about a faith that they had that other people talked about, an audible faith. And he says they have an audible love. He had heard about their faith and he had heard about their love, a love that he had heard about from others. We're not going to spend long here, but church, is this not what we would hope would be true about Christian Family Chapel in Jacksonville? And beyond, that there would be a sense that when people meet you at work or at school or in your neighborhood, being blessed by you, that they would talk about that person, their faith is real, their, their love is active. That is the testimony that the believers in Ephesus had, and Paul's going, I am grateful for that. What would people say about our faith? What would people say about our love? Here was an encouragement for me. A young guy named Eric, who's a pastor of Reach Church right here on Hood Road. We get lunch every once in a while, and he texted me back in March. He said, hey, bro, just met one of your parishioners. That's you if you don't know what a parishioner is. Just met one of your parishioners. They were super sweet and totally in love with Jesus. Every time I meet someone from CFC, they are so solid. Says so much to me about the church. So I don't know if that was you. But that's, that's I think, what Paul's saying. He's going, as I pray for you, I just want to say, I am really grateful for you. Because I meet people who talk about 
your faith and talk about your love. Lord, would that be true at Christian Family Chapel? Would that be true of us? An audible faith. Not that we're bragging on ourselves, but other people are speaking about it. Not that we have to promote our love for one another. We love one another, and other people don't miss it, and they can't not talk about it. That's what he's grateful for. So with that foundation of gratitude, then he prays that they would grow in fullness. And I'm going to show you why I'm calling it that, and then we'll build what he's actually specifically praying for. At the end, last two verses in chapter one, if you have your Bible open there in front of you, he says, and he, the father, put all things in subjection under his, the son's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is what? His body. All right, so don't miss that. As the church, we are the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. What's his desire? That the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. See, this is a description of the greatness and the supremacy of Jesus over all things given to him by the Father because of what he had done on the cross. But he's saying, this is Jesus, above all, over all, in all, and you're his body. And I pray that when people experience you, they'll experience the fullness of Jesus. Not just a slice of who he is. Not just on Sundays who he is. But then in every way and in every day, we would be the full expression of Jesus. That's a pretty high calling, yes? Yeah, I mean, uh, keep it real. As you look back over your last seven days since last Sunday, have you been in your home the full expression of Jesus? If you're unclear, ask your spouse. They'll make it clear for you. (laughs) No, you haven't, right? But that's the prayer at work, the full expression. You you might go, Lord, today I I want your will to be done at work as it is in heaven. And you have some good moments, and then you have just that irritating, uh, impatient, unloving, selfish moment. And you know in your heart, ah, that was not Jesus, right? So what's he praying for? That wherever you live and wherever you go to work and wherever, whatever God has given you in the way of a family that each moment of each day, they would experience the fullness of Jesus. That's his prayer, to be the body of Christ that reveals the fullness of Christ. It's the high, it's the lofty goal that we seek to live toward, the full expression of Jesus. For that to take place, now here we're gonna get into the nuts and bolts of the prayer. He's going to pray for them three things. He's going to pray that they will know him. 
Because you can't be him if you don't know him, right? Starts with knowing him. So he's going to pray that they will know him. And then second, he's going to pray that they will know his calling and his inheritance. And then third, that they would know his power. All right? The goal to be the full expression of the body of Christ. Every moment and every day, every facet of our life. But to do that, man, I got to know him, and I know know his calling, his inheritance, and know his power. That's, I gave you the picture of the prayer because now when we read it, I think you'll see it. But sometimes when you read the scriptures, it's like, oh, so many words. I was talking to a guy this week. He was like, I just wish Paul would use like a period every once in a while because it's just like four run-on sentences. So here's the prayer now. He said, I'm grateful for your audible faith, audible love. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, to know him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? So that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Pray for his knowing him and for knowing his calling and inheritance. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? And here's the key. Toward us who believe. And then he describes this power. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. You see what he's saying? That his fullness is revealed in every place, every moment, everywhere. Right? Why? And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, I realize that was a lot, but all I'm trying to give you is an understanding, big picture of the prayer. What's he want? He wants them to be the body that reveals the fullness of Christ. And so he prays three specific things. Know him. Know his hope and know his calling and his inheritance and know his power. So we can reveal him fully. So let's start this morning. How do we grow in our knowledge of him? Growing in our knowledge of God. Three aspects to knowing God, and they are progressive. First, we know God intellectually. We know him in our mind. For everyone listening this morning, there's different levels of the knowledge of God. Some of you know him more than others in terms of you know more about him. You know more about what he loves and what he hates, and you know more about his intent and purposes. Some of you, and this is not critical, this is just reality. Some of us have elementary age understanding knowledge of who God is, and some of us have graduate level. What's his prayer? That we would 
grow in knowing him. But it's not intended to stop with knowing him with our mind. We want to know him with our mind so that we can then know him relationally as our father. So you can know about God and not know him, right? Actually, it's not only a can. Every single one of us knew about God before we knew him relationally. You can't know him relationally until you know something about him. But you can actually know a ton about him, but not know him as father. How do we know him as father? Uh, But as many as received him, the him in this from John 1 is Jesus. But as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in Jesus' name. Super important that you understand that ultimately growing in your knowledge of God does not make you a child of God. Knowledge must be applied with faith, believing in the person and work of Jesus so that you would move from I know about God to he is my father. What a difference to know him intellectually, to know him relationally. I hope you're asking yourself the question right now. Do I only know him intellectually or do I know him relationally? And the answer is, have you believed in his son, Jesus, and received his work on your behalf by faith? So we move from I know about God to now I'm a part of the family of God by faith to then I learn to know him in my daily experience. And only as I learn to know him in my daily experience will I reveal him fully. This is why he's praying that they would grow in their knowledge of God. Not just mine, not just relationally, but daily. Not just part of the family, but genuinely in this past week. Did you know the Lord in your sorrow and in your joy, in your victory, in your challenges? Did you daily experience relationship with God? Not just in relationship, but experience relationship. Some of us know what it means to be married, but not living like you're married. That happens to folks. They're married. They're official, but they're not living as one because God intended marriage to be one. And he intended that we would not only move from knowledge about him to move to relationship with him by faith. How do you go from relationally to him as father to daily experience? Watch. You go from an initial decision of faith to a learning to live by faith. Each moment, each circumstances, every relationship, every challenge, I engage by faith. So this is the progression. Again, ask yourself, where am I? Know him, know him relationally, experiencing him 
daily. The goal is the daily experience because I experience him daily, then, then you will begin to reveal him fully. All right, so how do we grow? His goal is that they would grow in the knowledge of him. How do we grow in him? He asked for two specific requests. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So if you and I are going to move from knowing about him to knowing him relationally to daily experiencing him, we're going to need two gifts. The gift of wisdom and the gift of revelation. Let me start with the second one. He says, the process of growing in the knowledge of God requires first the gift of a spirit of revelation. What's that mean? Well, core word, core to revelation is reveal. Revelation is the revealing of truth. Very popular today, gender reveals. Meaning what? Something appears, something explodes, something happens, and, and, and the result is either pink or blue. It's a gender reveal. What's happening here? To grow in the knowledge of God, what do we need? We need, we need a revealing of that. So in this context, it's a revealing of God's truth. And you may think, well, just, re just read your Bible. But friends, it takes more than just reading your Bible to grow in the knowledge of God. It takes a gift of revelation, and here's the gift. Jesus is in the upper room. Don't read this. Uh, I'm going back because you're going to cheat and read it. In the upper room, that, that's before Jesus was arrested that night, crucified next day. He's with the disciples. It's when he instituted the Lord's Supper that we shared together this morning. The basic message of that night in the upper room is this. I'm leaving, you're not. And you're going to continue what I started. Here's how. Really, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, the upper room is recorded in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And for you to understand that section of scripture, all you need to know is Jesus is saying, I'm leaving, you're not, you're going to continue. What I started, here's how. And crucial to the here's how is what he says now in John 16. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. That's not the way they were taking it up in the room. It says their hearts were troubled. They're like, no, this is the only thing we know. We're like walking with you. And he's going, I'm leaving. And it's to your advantage. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. For what good? When he, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you. 
You see, the reason the answer to knowing God is just not read your Bible is because when we read our Bibles, we are totally dependent upon the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be the revealer of truth. The Holy Spirit is the only one, I'll show it to you in a moment, is the only one who can reveal truth to us. And it's important. His role is not to reveal new truth. He says he doesn't speak on his own initiative. He simply reveals what he has already been spoken, but bringing understanding to already revealed truth. And I put this very practical day to day for you and I to grow in the knowledge of God. We need to know Him. He's revealed himself in the scripture. But this doesn't make sense to us naturally. Why? Because 1 Corinthians helps us understand this. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. See, I hope this is super clear to you this morning, that to grow in the knowledge of God is revealed in the scriptures, but you and I just can't read it ourselves and understand it. Because the natural mind cannot capture supernatural truth. The reason, one of the reasons the Holy Spirit has been given is to help us understand. This is why one of the evidences a person is not born again is whenever they read the scriptures, they're like, I don't get it. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. That can be a clue the person doesn't have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is given when a person believes in Jesus. So if you are a believer in Jesus, I hope tomorrow, at some point in your day, you'll open up your Bible to grow in your knowledge of God. And before you read it, you'll say, Holy Spirit, would you do your job and reveal to me what you are saying about yourself and who you are and what you want? Because I'm not going to get it otherwise. There are so many times that I initially read a passage and I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> What? Oh, Holy Spirit, I jumped into this as a natural exercise. I confess, would you, by your Spirit, open the Scriptures to me so that I would understand you and what you're saying and what you want? That is how we grow in the knowledge of God, through a spirit of revelation. We need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher because we're not going to get it otherwise. 
So if that's not been part of your practice, I hope it will be. Very grateful. I talked to a guy Friday night who had been here Thursday night, sat right over here, and he said, hey, I got to tell you, I opened up my Bible Friday morning, and I've never said this before, but I said, Holy Spirit, do your job. (laughs) That's what he does. He does more than that, but that's what he does. Simple word of encouragement to you. You can't have revealed to you what you don't read. So if you're not in a regular practice of opening the scriptures and reading, you're not going to grow in your knowledge of God. And if you're not going to grow in your knowledge of God, then you're not going to fully reveal him in your life, in your marriage, at your work. So I have to open it up and then, Holy Spirit, do your job, reveal truth to me so that I might walk in it, which gives us what we need second. The Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom. See, as the Holy Spirit reveals truth to me as I read the scriptures, we need wisdom and the gift of wisdom. This is not complicated. There's something different between the knowledge of God and wisdom. You know what it is? Application. The capacity to take truth, theology, and work it out into life. When someone says, wow, you have wisdom beyond your years, they're not saying, wow, you'd have a lot of knowledge of God because you can have a lot of knowledge of God and have a lack of wisdom. It doesn't work its way out. And it's so obvious to me when someone can spout to me lots of scripture, talk all sorts of biblical concepts, but they're making a wreck of their life. Their marriage doesn't look at all what Scripture intends it to look. Their life doesn't reflect God in any way. They know about him, but there's no application in the life. That is wisdom. Here's the beauty of when we have wisdom with knowledge. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. I, I love that. Do you ever see the scripture as your counselor? Why do you go to a counselor? Why do people go to counselors? Because they're crazy. No, that's not why they go to counselors. Why do they go to counselors? Because they're like, I'm confused about what to do in life. Our marriage seems to be all wrapped up in knots. Our family's coming apart. We can't seem to figure out where to go. A counselor often doesn't bring new truth. A counselor often simply helps truth applied to relationship or to priorities. And what I love about, this is why we practice biblical counseling here at the chapel. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. 
your word, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, it goes me, oh, go there. But sometimes it says, oh, don't go there. See, it's very clear. That's the scriptures, that it would be your counselor, not just knowledge. In fact, one of the ugliest things in life is a bunch of knowledge and a lack of wisdom, a lack of application. And the scripture warns, knowledge by itself will puff up, will make you proud. Some people simply want knowledge to defeat you. Is that why you want to know God so you can defeat people? It's not why I want to know the Lord. I want to know the Lord as my counselor so that I would walk in wisdom. The scripture applied, the knowledge of God applied guides me. I know that's simple, but it's beautiful. It really is beautiful when you think, I'm just going to allow the scripture to guide me. It's what we seek to do as a church. What's the scripture say a church is supposed to do? How's a church supposed to function? What do we do? What do we not do? And we simply always here at the chapel ask the question, well, what's the Bible say? That might seem so obvious. But in our marriages or in our work and in our finances, if we simply said, what's the Bible say? I'm going to let that guide me. When do we get into trouble? Here's the giveaway. I know the Bible says, but, and then there's, I've heard this, I've been told this, I've read this, and there's all this competing thoughts. No offense to other books. This is the best one. (laughs) And in a culture where there is never-ending books, and you can listen to them when you drive to work and when you go home work and when you're on your workout machine, you can listen, 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 listen. Can I encourage you that this is our best guide? Hey, this is so simple, but this is our best guide. This will lead us to life. And this will not only lead us to life, (laughs) it will protect us as well. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. This is, without doubt, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Because of the intensity of the promise and the clarity, it speaks to the value of the word of God and wisdom in my life. (laughs) And man, does our world need wisdom. I mean, don't you look around and go, we're just stupid. Sorry, but we're just stupid. And you go, this is not that complicated. Just wisdom of the scriptures. My son, if 
if you'll receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, if you'll cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you'll seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. You hear the intensity of the pursuit? Do you find yourself in those opening four verses? This is why I come back to Proverbs 2. Because I want to find myself with a hunger and a thirst for wisdom and understanding as demonstrated here. Then, because if I'll go after it, watch. Then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Maybe that doesn't do much for you. That thrills my heart to know if I'll be hungry and thirsty and you'll seek for it, we'll find it and it'll guide us and it will not only guide us, it will protect us. Because we have a very real enemy who's the liar. And he wants to deceive you and destroy you. He does. He wants to destroy you. And the battle is always for truth. Because truth guides and truth protects. Just continue on there in Proverbs 2. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge pleasant. Be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Did you catch all that? The, the treasure of Scripture will protect you from all of that and... Verse 16, deliver you from the strange woman. <laughs> Sounds kind of funny, but here's what he means. From the adulteress who flatters with her words that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. So clear, so predictable, and you and I can be protected from the lies, the deceit, and the death if we'll be hungry. And the Spirit of God reveals truth to us, and we don't be puffed up in knowledge. We go, wow, I wouldn't have done it that way. 
but I will. I'll see what the scripture says, and I'm going to walk in it. If I can just be really honest with us, folks, we're not hungry enough. We're not thirsty enough. We don't treasure enough. We don't seek enough. And then when we get stuff, when, when we actually do expose ourselves to truth and to wisdom, we often dismiss it as our guide and our protector. And I have a very simple message for you. This is life. And this will protect you from deceit and death and destruction. Be hungry for it. Open it consistently with this request. Holy Spirit, do your job that I might walk in wisdom. Because the reality is you and I have dismissed truth. We had knowledge. We had light and we went, no, I'd rather go here. We had light and we walked in darkness, yes? Yeah, we have. So are we done? <laughs> Praise the Lord. It doesn't only guide us, protect us. Praise the Lord that the knowledge of God, when we know him, he is a God who also restores. Because otherwise, all of us are toast. <laughs> Seriously. Because all of us have gone our own way. And the as I was just speaking, I think some of your hearts were probably burning, going, man, I've not been hungry. I have wasted weeks and days and years, or I have gone my own way, and I'm on the path to death right now. And the beauty of the scriptures is, for those who ignore the guide and those who ignore the protection, God restores. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, the psalmist prays. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. That's what some of us need this morning, to be restored. Many of you will know the king in the Old Testament named David, who wrote lots of the scriptures, who had knowledge of God, who had light and walked in darkness. When he should have gone to war, he stayed home. When he should have gone to bed, he went to the rooftop. When he should have looked away, he looked intently. And because of those three decisions, he ended up in bed with Bathsheba, committing adultery and then trying to cover it by getting her husband murdered. He wasn't ignorant. He was a fool who knew the truth and walked in darkness. And all of us have been a fool. Maybe not in that way, but all of us have been a fool. We've ignored the guidance and the protection of the scriptures. And God restores. Who? Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Those who confess. Those who go, I've been the fool. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to admit it. See, 
that is the step for some this morning, I know. You know you're living the fool right now. And it's, will you admit? And cry out to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. See, what we had was a rebellious spirit. What are we asking for? A willing spirit. And here's what I hope you won't miss most of all. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. You won't despise. Most of us don't want to be broken. But it's only in brokenness that we come to the knowledge of God. In brokenness, we move from I know him intellectually to I know him relationally. I'm broken over my sin and I cannot deal with my guilt. Maybe you know him as father, but you've been a fool. And you're trying to fix it. And you're going, I'm not going to reveal it. I'm not going to admit it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to restore it. Because the last thing you want to do is be broken. Because you think God needs you to be perfect. God needs you to be strong. And the scripture says God wants you to be broken. In brokenness, you'll find him. And in finding him, you'll have wisdom. And in wisdom, you'll begin to walk in the light and reveal the beauty of Christ. It's not that complicated, is it? Oh, I didn't say it was easy. (laughs) Because the flesh is strong and desires are big. But it's not complicated. Truth and life and an offer to restoration. So let me invite the band to to come up and prepare to lead us. But as they come up, would you bow your head with me? I want to give you a, a quiet moment to respond to the Lord. Because I'm confident that by his spirit, he is speaking to many hearts this morning. He may be saying to your heart, you've ignored me too long, too much. And you know, Lord, make me thirsty and hungry for your your word. You know your days have been filled with all sorts of things and somehow you never ever get around to opening the scriptures. And your act is to be broken, to repent, to declare before the Lord right now, Lord, I do believe it's truth, and I treasure it, and I want it. And I know some are feeling the weight of being the fool. Maybe it's been with sex. 
Maybe it's been with drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's been with money. You've been the fool. And I want to invite you to admit it. Be broken over it. To ask the Lord right now for a clean heart. To restore to you the joy of your salvation. Or maybe you don't know the Lord. Or you know him, but never been broken over your sin and cried out to Jesus to be your Savior. And you would this morning, maybe for the first time ever in your life, admit your sin to God. Admit your guilt before Him. And believe in Jesus to forgive you, to make you new pour his spirit into your heart so that you could walk in newness of life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would break us and restore us and grant us a willing heart to sustain us, that we would hunger for your word not to be proud, but to be wise. changed and our lives of others around us will be changed. So as God blesses us, we bless others. So I hope you have a great Sunday. Hope you see you next time. All right, have a good one.